All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Gojo and Golik, Mike Gold Jr., Mike Gold Sr., and Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We got a great show coming up for you guys. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and try and watch us live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more. Our friend of the program, Jason Cabinda, fullback for the Detroit Lions, who are getting ready to move on and host their second playoff game for the first <laughs> time in franchise history coming up this next weekend. Going to join us here in the second hour, take us through the incredible scenes at at Ford Field, but let's not bury the lead. Dad is back. You are no longer an empty chair in a sad, dark casino. What's going on, Dad? Uh, I, I am happy to be back, and I'm glad as I could be. Uh, I could be used as just a pawn in your guys' game of entertainment by showing my empty seat yesterday as I was battling Mother Nature and the the trials and tribulations of travel. Uh, that were going on in the ugly day that I had of no sleep and trying to desperately get back to be on this show, scraping and clawing to get there. And you guys basically mocked me. So I'm not going to lie. It hurt a little bit. And it hurt coming from my own son, coming from my own son, that you would let that happen to me. Shameful. So 
Here's the thing is, I would feel yeah. bad were it not for this mitigating factor because as I woke up yesterday, coming off of the beginning, the first four games of Super Wild Card Weekend and all this stuff we have to look forward to, I'm thinking, great sports Monday, man. How lucky am I? I get to sit here and chop it up with my dad. We get to talk about all this together. Jesse's fired up. We have no other guest plan because we want to spread it out, call yes. ISO, and just do this thing. And then I wake up... <laughs> I'm on the West Coast, so what is an 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern show is a 5 to 7 a.m. Pacific show for me. I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning out here, and the very first thing I see is a text message from my father that says, hey, Mike, feel terrible, but not going to be able to make the show. I'm stuck in transit X, Y, or Z. And I look up and think, well, surely, surely, you know, my father has alerted the rest of the crew. They're already working on this since they've been up on East Coast hours. And I get over here to start doing the mic check on my end, and I hear one of our producers in my ear go, Oh, it's weird. Senior hasn't dialed in yet. And the horror that started to cascade down me when I realized that my father had texted me and only me to alert the show staff that he was not going to make the show. So how do you plead on that count, Dad? Yeah, going on like 25 years in this business, that uh, that was on me. I'm gotta, I got to <laughs> pull the thumb and, and not point the finger. And... And, and, and again, behind the curtain that nobody cares about right now is I, I text you. It was I was on the runway in Dallas at little after one in the morning, still thinking we were going to get out and then seeing the realization that and listen, this is something we can all you know deal with and have gone through the realization that the pilot saying the co-pilot was going to time out. Oh, so yeah. if we didn't oh. take off in a certain amount of minutes, we are going to have oh. to go back to the gate. Plus, there's this rule out there, as others that travel know, if you're away from the gate for th more than three hours, they have to go back to the gate and give people a chance to get off the plane. And when they did that, they said the co-pilot's going to time out. So that's when I was uh, texting you. And the reason I didn't email everybody else like I should have, your mother is not home, so I am also was coming home to the dogs. And I had to rely on Ben and Sydney, my daughter and son-in-law, who have just had a baby of their own, to come up and watch the dogs. And Ben had done that, and Ben had left the dogs what, thinking I was going to get home at the normal time. Now I wasn't going to get home all night. I had to text them with a nine-week-old baby at one in the morning, which See. is, uh, Jesse, as I'm sure you could, you could uh, uh, agree, was a horrific move that I didn't want to do. Well, but I'm sure I they were awake. The, yeah, well, yeah. luckily Ben was doing a feeding, and he said, listen, after this feeding, I'll go back up there because the dogs would have been walk, walking around or sleeping or something so much out of their comfort zone. So Ben went back and spent the night with them. And then during while the show was on, I was flying from Dallas to Salt Lake City. And again in Dallas, the plane left late because they de-iced there, and they don't know how to de-ice because they rarely have to de-ice. So I, was, I did the old sprinting from one gate to the next to just make my flight in Salt Lake City to get back here. Again, nobody cares about this, but anybody well, who's traveled say. long enough has gone through situations like this. It was the first time I got sleep yesterday was when I went to bed last night. It was it was one of those ugly travel days, but I'll say this real quickly. I I wasn't bemoaning myself because as I had to pick up a slab of or lay on a slab of concrete in the concourse there, the amount of people with their kids and such, 
I mean, you just feel horrible as you have parents wheeling around two and three kids in this situation. And airlines still, not to go off on a tangent, but if it's Mother Nature, they don't give you squat. They don't give, they don't give out anything for these families to get food, any kind of shelter. They just say Mother Nature, and everybody is just kind of wandering around like it's the apocalypse through concourses because it's two and three in the morning and they have absolutely nowhere to go. I, I have to just quickly touch on something that you said. <clears throat> so it's one o'clock in the morning and you're saying Ben had to go to your house because your dogs cannot sleep through the night alone? No, our dogs have never been alone with no parents. Have your dogs? Do you have dogs that have, that will... Listen, if dogs aren't used to that, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Jesse, if you got dogs... If you I got a pets, dog. I got a dog. And, and, and they're not... They're not used to no one being home or being where they normally sleep, which is usually in our bed. Yeah, they're going to freak out. They may freak out. Yeah, I felt I felt horrible for them. I guess. My God, yeah. I, 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 do you what do you hate animals? No, I love. You don't my, care about your pets. I love my dog. I think in that scenario, I would be okay with him waiting until morning for an adult to come home that he didn't need no. adult well, supervision just, in the night. I just mm -hmm. I think the best part about all of this and then we will mercifully get on to the remnants yeah. of Super Wild Card weekend <laughs> is my dad in the in all of this my dad who preaches accountability at every turn has blamed both dogs and babies <laughs> for his inability yeah. to text his his work colleagues about him not being at work so that's where we've arrived now at the level of thumb pulling with my dad he pulled the thumb and then immediately shot two fingers at the most vulnerable sections of the population the dogs that were home by themselves and and the like six year week old baby that is my my niece uh, Alex. So this has been uh, riveting, and we appreciate it, Dad. We're glad that you're here. I'm a little upset that you've blamed babies and puppies. We're gonna try and forgive that in the name ah. of getting to the situation that you were coming from because we thought you were leaving the biggest tire fire of the weekend in what happened with the Dallas Cowboys, and then the Philadelphia Eagles decided to play a football game last night. And I guess play should be used loosely as they got their asses whooped, 32 to nine, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm not gonna lie, Dad, we talked about this yesterday when Fitz was on. I, I said I can't give you a reason based on what we've seen for the last month and a half of why I would pick the Eagles in this game. I took the Bucks and the points like a coward instead of picking them outright, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went out there and did exactly what you'd expected, Dad. KDOT and their tight end had a season high in targets and catches because they looked at the Eagles and said, huh, you don't have any linebackers and your safety room is banked up. Guess where we're going to spam all night long? And they made it a living hell for them on that side. And on the other side, apparently the Eagles did not realize that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were allowed to blitz. And not only were allowed to blitz, but do so at the third highest rate in the NFL because they never seemed to have a plan for it. Dad, which of these was worse, what you saw in Dallas or what you then turned around and saw from your old team in Philadelphia last night? So uh, I, I would say Dallas because it mm. was, a, it was a, a slaughter. I mean, it, was, it, it wasn't as close as what the final score ended up being, and it was still a two-score game. It was stunning. Let me get th this stat really quick. It's amazing. For only the fifth time in the Super Bowl era, a division sent multiple teams to the playoffs only to have both teams never hold a single lead. Not just losing, but never hold a lead. The Cowboys never hold a, held a lead, and the Eagles never held a lead. So it's happened five times in the Super Bowl era. Happened this weekend. The last time it happened in 2021 in the teams, 
the Cowboys and the Eagles. So these two teams did it twice out of just five times in the Super Bowl era. Yeah, we can get back to the Cowboy game, but that to me was worse. This one, Mike, this one kind of followed along the lines of how Philadelphia was playing. Listen, this is a team that started 10-1, and and look where they are now. They ended up the fifth seed, and they're packing up their lockers today. And a Hall of Fame center has called it a career in Jason Kelsey, which which we'll get to. So we kept – the one thing you can't get fooled by is we can flip the switch. Players believe it. Players think we can get back to how we played. And that's what we all said. Well, if the Eagles revert back to how we normally see them, they're going to win this game. Easier said than done. Injuries at linebacker in the secondary have hurt them. Bad play has hurt them. If you want to beat Philadelphia, throw it in the middle of the field and then break three tackles because you're going to be able to do it every time. I mean, the the tackling was horrific. The open receivers in the middle of the field and the tackling was horrible. I heard Ray Lewis Lewis was on with with Eli and Peyton talking about that. Listen, as a former defensive player, we worked on pursuit drills every single day. Get the right angle. And you don't work on it. And we tackled back then, too, in practice. Now you don't. And I get it. I'm not saying it in a way of the era now, but you just don't practice it now. So the tackling is as bad as it's ever been. But even worse, Mike, is the angles that players take. You have 10 other people on the field, and players don't know how to use that to their advantage when they're trying to tackle somebody. And because of that, you get free runners all the time, either horrible tackling technique or horrible tackling strategy on how you're going to do it. Now, give credit to the other team for doing what they did. But still, that has been an issue with Philadelphia. It was not fixed. And when you have a 53-man roster, depth can be an issue. So kudos to those teams that have next man up and come in and play well. Philadelphia did not get that um, from from the rest of their roster. And that's why they're going home. And, And the other side of the ball, man, you're right. You have a ton of stats and a ton of things that tell you, you know, a team likes to do this, a team likes to do that. And they like to bring pressure. How are you ready for that pressure? Do you just put your five guys on it and say, deal with it, or do you adjust to it? We should have known it was going this way when the Eagles have been stopped three times on the brotherly shove all year. Yeah, Two man, times bad vibes. were yesterday. Two times were yesterday. So kudos to Tampa Bay for stopping that. How Jalen Hurts takes that safety, I have no idea how how he doesn't get rid of the ball on that one. Uh, So while we're going to dissect the Eagles, I, I guess I would just say this is how they've been playing. There is no switch flipping that goes on. And let's maybe instead, while we're dissecting the Eagles, because there's going to be changes there, let's also applaud Tampa Bay. They're led by the the plucky QB of Baker Mayfield, who's just getting incentive after incentive as they keep winning and moving on. And now they get to go to Detroit. Yeah, Jesse, Baker Mayfield, uh, the first Buccaneer to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in a postseason game. Tom Brady just lived there. Like, what the hell is going on? Just lived there for three years. Wasn't able to do that in any postseason games. And he had a crazy couple weeks, Baker Mayfield, not Tom Brady. He was fighting a rib injury from two weeks ago in that loss to New Orleans. Ankle injury he suffered in Carolina last week. So this man is hobbling along, right? So to give himself the best chance, Baker flew in his personal physical 
physiotherapist twice this week to help him work through the injuries. It limited his practice time, all this stuff. And after the game, everybody was on about how Baker is one tough dude. He gutted it out. I mean, you know, if you looked at him during the week, he was limping around. He wasn't practicing. He was getting a little better each day. Hopefully they didn't hit him too much. I know they got some shots on him and they got what, four sacks. So he came back from that. He stayed with the plan. He never flinched. Uh, he made play after play after play. And that says a whole lot about him. Yeah, because he's a dog. Um, no, he's a super tough guy, incredible competitor. Um, you know, he's been doing everything he can to be out there with us, so um, it's, it's awesome to see. Obviously, the ups and downs that I've been through in the last few years, uh, this one's great, but uh, our, like I said earlier, our sights are set for bigger goals, and so on to the next one. Guys, you heard Baker say what he's been through the past couple years. Uh, he's played for eight coaches in six years. That's insane. So not only physically tough, mentally tough as well. Yeah, Browns fans have to be sick watching this considering who they've got under center coming back for them next year and the way he's performed, the fact that Baker's now moving on in the playoffs. And it, Dad, it does seem like a guy who's done a lot of growing up. Baker was pretty brash, rubbed a lot of people the yeah. wrong way in college when he was at Oklahoma and then came into the league tasked with trying to resuscitate a franchise that's been a perennial loser in Cleveland and was moderately successful, more successful than anyone we'd seen in quite some time. And that ended up not being good enough for a number of reasons. And as he's gone a long now he's gotten to that point in his career dad where I think he's really I mean probably has a better understanding than most of what it takes to be a professional in this league when you cannot control the circumstances around you at all and so now that he's landed in a place that has actually given him the reins and let him be the guy there seems to be a newfound appreciation for it and dad you can appreciate a guy who was a first overall pick carrying late round energy, doing anything he possibly could to stay on the field yeah. because he doesn't know if he goes off if he's ever coming back at this point. So, lest anybody forget, it was Cleveland, the top pick, and then to Carolina, and then to the Rams, where he had that miraculous game after getting there on a Thursday and leading him down the field on a late uh, drive uh, there, but it wasn't going to be for good there. And now with Tampa Bay, Cleveland's done this a couple times with brash quarterbacks coming out of the uh, um, college, right? Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield. Johnny Manziel yep. didn't learn. We saw the documentary, self-admittedly, didn't learn how to be a professional athlete and flamed out. And Baker Mayfield did learn. He got humbled, you know, instead of I woke up da feeling dangerous to, you know what, eating a lot of humble pie to, the, to, to where he is right now. And you're right. Teammates love this guy, works out with the old lineman, you know, will drop his shoulder into anybody. So his play has been great, and he has resurrected what he has been doing. But let's look at the team and compare it to another team on what Tampa Bay has been able to do. I talked about this the last year or two when I was doing a Tampa Bay game, that they were going to have to pay the piper, right? They paid guys to keep this team together. After they won the Super Bowl, they, they re-signed every starter. They gave out money like crazy while they had Tom Brady. And you did the right thing to get the, the goal that you wanted. You won the Super Bowl. Then you were going to be left with cleaning up the highway. And that was meant over $80 million in dead cap money they had to deal with, which means you got to go on a shoestring budget, which means you got to hit it right. 
Baker Mayfield, look at all the deals going out to quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield got a $4 million deal with incentives, which he's hitting, by the way. So the most important position, they hit on it for a guy who now threw the most touchdowns, 28 in the regular season, he has thrown in his entire career and only had 10 interceptions because he had been a bit of a turnover guy as well or got you into trouble guy, and you still kind of hold your breath if he's going to do that or not. Throws three touchdowns yesterday to no interceptions. It might it kind of reminds me of the Rams, right? They sold everything off to win a Super Bowl, and they did. And how have they come back from it? I know they just lost, but they made the playoffs. They did well in the draft. The Puka Nakua's of the world and guys on defense, other they hit third, fourth round, fifth round guys. So kudos to them for doing what they did. And kudos to Tampa to hitting it right on Baker Mayfield because you had to dig yourself out of a pile of garbage with all the, the money you had spent on how you were going to come back from this. And here they are in the divisional round. Yeah, two very different approaches, and it kind of shows you this is the boy math that you have to do in the NFL when it comes to the most important position. You can either, and we talk about this all the time, although I would argue we've seen more and more the effects of the rookie contract for quarterbacks mitigated some in the modern era, but it's you either have a cheap quarterback that's got a hit while everything else is getting the money, or you got a hit all around it. And the Rams or the Bucks, you're right, the most recent examples of burn the boats for the postseason prize both have gone about that in different ways. Baker May Mayfield is going to get extended, I'd imagine, there now and have a chance because, again, yeah. this Tampa Bay team's too good to meaningfully address this in any other way. And so they get to move on and continue this. And I, I, we'll, we'll talk about the Buccaneers who are now going to go forward and get ready to face the Detroit Lions. And I'd imagine I haven't checked the book this morning. In fact, let me check on the fly right now and see what the opening line is. The Detroit I, I, Lions I'm open as six-point favorites at home right now against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And honestly, Dad, I thought it was going to be more. Because I do think while this Bucks team has some good qualities, I, I think the Lions should feel pretty good about this matchup. They were going to feel good about either matchup coming out of that game considering how banged up Philadelphia had been. But I do think that Detroit Lions team is primed to go out there and go back-to-back -back on playoff wins after going 32 years without one before. Yeah, I agree. The fans there, boy, they're getting treated to, uh, to a whole lot right now, and, uh, and they should be feeling good about themselves. They should be feeling good. We'll sort through the wreckage of a couple other fan bases when we come back here next. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, 
Call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. got so much to get to on a super wild card weekend that wasn't overly entertaining we had one game of the six that was actually decided by a touchdown or less in the lions rams game the rest of them were blowouts but we're very giving in a lot of ways plus we've got the interview process and get to talk about bill belichick interviewing for the atlanta falcons job <laughs> and what the hell that had to look like but dad talking about job openings i've been amazed how quickly the mob has come for Nick Sirianni and our yeah. former colleague Booker McFarlane, I think said it best. There has to be something that's gone on in that Philadelphia locker room behind closed doors that we don't know about yet. Losing six of your last seven games, the change to Matt Patricia as defensive coordinator as a panic move towards the latter half of the season. And now what seems to be legitimate questions about Nick Sirianni's job, like, Dad, do you think there's a chance that half the NFC East and the half that was the good half, the half that made the playoffs, yeah, yeah. could actually be joining the list of open candidacies here soon? Well, listen, in an era of, of making quick, rash decisions, would it shock me? No, not at all. Do I think they should do it? No, I don't. I mean, this team, we have done nothing but talk about good things on this team. They've won a Super Bowl. They lost the Super Bowl, obviously, uh, last year, but they were 10-1 and one before the downfall. So I, I'm... I'm not going to well, look at the last ten, 10 and one and limping. Like, remember that right, 10 and right. one, we Agreed. all looked at and we were like, Agreed. that doesn't quite feel the same as last year's 10 and one. And we kept couching it as we haven't seen their best yet. And then it turns yep. out their best just was never coming. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if you did it this year. Now you have another year like that next year. And I would say, yeah, that's probably in, in our world of firing people. Uh, it's one of those where, you know, next year when we talk beginning of the season, we talk about who's on the hot seat. You know, Nick Siri Sirianni's name is going to come up, but I wouldn't do it now. I mean, are you ready to change an entire coaching staff? You know, the way you 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 work the ball on offense, the the way, you know, an old coordinator, what he's going to bring in and defense. Some people may say, yeah, maybe it's time to do that. Uh, I, 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 me personally, I would not be doing that I am not one of those guys that is going to say boy we need to change this thing right away after seeing all the good or some of the at least some of the good we have remember there was no AJ Brown in this game again sure. I know he's been around while they've been losing but he you know obviously hurt his knee and wasn't in this one so no I I do not make this change no so and I think you're right like we're gonna forget because at some point you're out on the field this was Baker Mayfield going through it years ago with the Browns where he played with a hurt shoulder he told everybody and we still didn't care when we judged him accordingly and for the Eagles you had unprecedented injury in the linebacker level and defensive secondary you yep. had Jalen Hurts playing banged up for most of the year and that losing streak you were missing Dallas Goddard for a long time and his importance to the locker room and down the stretch absolutely Devontae Smith missed the last game AJ Brown missed this game but dad as far as the change I mean you are coming off and part of the change that helped damn the Philadelphia Eagles was how important Jonathan Gannon and especially Shane Steichen ended yeah. up clearly yep. being the way they never meaningfully addressed the losses at linebacker level this offseason that's more of a personnel issue than anything but I, I guess that's why I think the the firing is more about the context surrounding the job than it might even be Nick Sirianni it's 
hey, listen, we already had to make a bunch of change at coordinator last year. So what would be another voice coming in? Clearly, the defensive coordinator position is not going to remain the same right. after the job that was done on that side of the ball collectively. But dad, I do think this could be just as much about the pool of candidates that we have available right now. We've talked about it. This is an incredible pool of coaches, both former head coaches and up and coming coordinators, probably the best we've seen in quite some time. And I right. wonder if there's a thought process of, all right, when we stripped away the coordinators, we didn't necessarily like everything we saw from the head guy. And now we've got this opportunity to bring in some real studs potentially here. We might not have this opportunity again. And so maybe there's that bit of, and I've used this term a ton, usually pertaining to the bears. Maybe there's a worry about the opportunity cost lost. If you go forward and all of a sudden stick with a guy, when you've got these kind of candidates available. Yeah, it's like one of the, it's like the quarterback situation, right? You've seen your yeah. quarterback be really good at times and then level off and you say, okay, we see what he's done. Let's go for the, again, P word, potential of this young coordinator or in the case of a quarterback, this Caleb Williams who we're going to take number one, you know, as we all think the Bears are going to do and go on that. I get it. I get that's kind of the era we're in. I, I don't. I would not do that now. We know there's going to be some changes. Sean Desai was that D coordinator, but as you mentioned, Patricia ended up calling pay, uh, plays. Uh, uh, who was the old coordinator? I think it was uh, Brian Johnson, the offensive yeah. coordinator for the Eagles. So I, I think there, there are going to be some changes. When you, when you weren't playing as good as you normally play, even though you were 10-1, and one, and then you just fold, not, not, not by effort, but, but by wins and losses – now, again, you do have to throw in injuries there because they were decimated, but it happens every year to teams. I, I wouldn't do it. I would be surprised if it happened, quite honestly, to all of a sudden make this wholesale type of a change here. Um, so if you're asking me, do I think it'll happen or not, I'm going to say no. I do not think it's going to happen. I think it happens. I don't know. I'd agree. Like my general operating procedure is, hey, give it another year, especially when you were just in the Super Bowl last year and you were just lauding Nick Sirianni for the last year and a half. Going back to the back half of year one, when he ceded control of play calling, when he adhered more to the ground game, which, by the way, they inexplicably just left on the table last night in another yep. point of frustration. But I, I'd agree there. Mike McCarthy's another interesting one, Dad, because while I think he's absolutely going to get fired because this is Jerry Jones making the decisions, there was a pretty loud chorus of players on that team that stuck up for him in a way that I wasn't necessarily prepared for in Dallas for a guy that had gotten the best out of Dak Prescott this season and now looks like he'll probably get shown the door because Jerry's 80-plus years old and is feeling his own mortality and wants to win before he goes. So I am more willing to give a little bit of leeway to injuries like the situation in Philadelphia where injuries certainly uh, hurt them. In Dallas, this has been an ongoing process for how many years now of getting of finding a way to get rid of Mike McCarthy, right? It's yeah. when are we going to fire Mike McCarthy? Even Jerry Jones, after week 18 this year, the Monday after week 18, asked about Mike McCarthy's job security. He said, we'll take it one game at a time in the postseason. And there was only one game, and it was an obliteration. As I sat there and called that, me and my partner, Ryan Radke, were up in the booth going, what the hell is going on? Just like everybody else was doing. It, it, so if Jerry was certainly, it was, was really truthful in saying, we'll take it one postseason game at a time, there couldn't be more marks against Mike McCarthy. But you know how I am about this, Mike. 
To me, it's more about the players. Players can turn a bad game plan into a good game plan. Players are the ones that are on the field that have to and need to execute. But it's the coach, a lot of times, who gets obviously gets axed for it if those players aren't producing out there. The thought is get a coach in here who can get them producing. But as I've always said again, I'll, is you're a professional athlete. If you can't get out there and motivate yourself and carry out your game plan, I'm not looking at a coach. I'm looking at me. But we know firing one is easier than firing 30. So, and, and this has been talked about for a while. So I, I, I believe it's going to be the end of Mike McCarthy. And I understand the players that are sticking up for him as well. This all just points to Jerry Jones just throwing his hands up and saying, you know what, it's just not happening. I think this is more about not firing a different one versus one. This is about the players. This is about talent acquisition. You didn't have the dogs to hunt up the middle on defense, and that's yep. a Jerry Jones problem as the guy that makes the decisions on the football operations. That's his side of things, and so he's not going to fire him for those nope. mistakes. Mike McCarthy, I'd be more inclined to keep him than I would Nick Sirianni at this point because of what Mike clearly demonstrated to you as a play caller this season and the support that he's got there. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. I could see both of them being on the chopping block because there's been a lot of smoke like you said about Mike we've been used to that but I've been amazed at how seriously this has been bantered about in very short order about this Philadelphia Eagles head coaching potential vacancy and the thing about it is things have to happen quickly right we talked about Belichick interviewing which which we'll get into Jim Harbaugh is interviewed with the Chargers you can start face-to-face -face meetings I think in five days though you can zoom meet now and you know there's always backdoor connections uh, as well going on so these are things that can't wait right these are things that have to move along if you're going to make a move because there is a list of candidates and like any list there's there's the top few that are that are sought after by more than than, than more than a few Yep, we've already seen Jim Harbaugh interview with the Los Angeles Chargers. They got the first crack at him. We mentioned Bill Belichick being interviewed by the Atlanta Falcons, which, man, read that headline to someone from five years ago and watch their brain explode. <laughs>the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. After an epic snowstorm that moved the Bills-Steelers game to Monday, Buffalo is moving on after a 31-17 win. In honor of that, it's time for our surreal celebration presented by Ciroc. Ciroc champions your game day celebration with ultra-premium vodka. And it was a surreal celebration by Bills fans after each touchdown as the crowd launched snowballs up into the air. They got to do it Four times in the victory, fans were out pregame, shoveling out the stadium for 20 bucks an hour. Not nearly enough money, if you ask me. Couldn't get through it all, so it led to some awesome visuals throughout the game. Also, some not-so-great ones, like when fans threw a snowball at George Pickens while he was trying to catch a touchdown. Regardless, pretty convincing win for Buffalo. Now they're going to host Kansas City. Guys, and that's going to be Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game ever in his career. Crazy. Yeah, I yeah. oh by the oh by the way, and what a chance to add to either incredible lore for the Buffalo Bills who have turned things around at an unprecedented level. I said Freaky Friday since the time they saw the Eagles earlier in this season where now they have stolen their powers, become the good football team while Philadelphia has crashed and burned. Or if the Kansas City Chiefs go to Orchard Park and win that game, it is going to break them. That is going to be, even in the Buffalo Bills storied history of painful losses in the modern era, obviously the four straight Super Bowls absolutely reign supreme. But in the modern era, what the Chiefs dynasty has done to this team, dad, I, I don't know how they would go forward. We would probably see them make some rash decisions after that if it happened. Yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? But uh uh, it, this remember that we talked to, as Jesse said, the two times that Buffalo had lost to Kansas City in this position in Kansas City. And remember, one of those years we had we ended up changing the overtime rules in the playoffs because of it. Right. right? Seeing Patrick Mahomes go down the field and the, and the camera always going on Josh Allen, just standing there, never getting a chance. And the league was like, wait a minute, we can't have our stars standing on the sidelines without a chance to win. So let's change the rule. Um, I, I, first off, let me just say kudos in Buffalo, how they got that field and everything ready. I know they hired people really to, to come help out, you know, shoveling and stuff, but it looked great. And for those tough people out there with the Twitter muscles saying they should have played the game two days earlier. Let me just say you're all idiots. I mean, for even suggesting that, and it wasn't even the game we were talking about, it was the safety of people and first responders and what people needed to do in a, in a travel ban and emergency. That was just a joke, what was going on with the tough guy Twitter uh, thing a, a few days ago. But uh, I love how they got that ready. It's supposed to be in the 20s for this game, which is going to be balmy. Balmy. You know, it'll be great great temperature and given what Kansas City just played in uh, you know this past you know, when they played this is going to be great for both teams so pretty wild I, I'm still amazed when you think about it when you just sit there Mike and think about it this is Patrick Mahomes first time he's getting on an airplane in the playoffs outside of getting on an airplane going to a Super Bowl it's 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 an unbelievable testament to how dominant this Chiefs team has been. Also hilarious to think about, though, Dad, where we were with both the Chiefs and the Bills in the midway point of this season, how we yep. talked about them, the Chiefs as a shell of what we normally seen with this group, no one outside of Travis Kelsey to catch passes on that team. The Bills were at 5% chances to make the postseason sitting there midway through the season. And now they're both getting ready to once again play for a shot at the AFC Championship game like we're all very used to. For Buffalo, Dad, they did it coming off. You mentioned the Chiefs get a Miami team that clearly was not ready for the elements there. The Bills got a Steelers team that was without their best player in TJ Watt in this game. It yeah, seemed to yeah. damn them 
before it even really got started. And this game was, I don't think, as close as the score indicated. It was 21 nothing no. before a blocked field goal put the Steelers in position to go down there and get their first score to end the first half. And it all just kind of felt like weird breaks for Pittsburgh along the way that got them in there. The big takeaway, though, for Buffalo, Dad, and I think the real issue, because they did what you expected. They spammed the linebacker level. They got the ball to their tight end and running backs, especially in the pass game. Josh Allen was a runaway freight train from hell as right. a runner in this game, <laughs> which is what we all expected. A franchise playoff long 53, I believe, yard touchdown 52. scamper. Yeah. 52-yard touchdown scamper. But, Dad, I think the biggest issue for Buffalo now is all of the injuries that started to yeah. take over yeah. in the middle of their defense uh, ankle injury to starting nickelback Teron Johnson, who didn't return after being evaluated for a concussion cornerback, Razul Douglas left Tyler Do Tyrell Dodson, their linebacker left. And so you looked at the middle of that defense by the end of the game and it was all backups in there. If which holds against Kansas city means you're probably going to have a bad time. Yeah, it's going to be tough. We saw the injuries that went on with Miami. Uh, now, I didn't think Miami was going to win that game anyway. That was a true home field advantage for Kansas City in that weather. But they were – I had done the game earlier when they played the Bills for the division title uh, and all the injuries they had, and they added to it in that game. So they were beat up. And you look at, like, two teams, right, that were in the playoffs on how they finished the season. We talked about the Eagles being 10-1, and finishing horribly, and it looked that way in the playoffs. Well, the Bills won their last five games of the regular season. And look how they ended the playoffs. Because I'm with you. While this turned into – uh, it's a two-score win, but but at some point, what, in the fourth quarter, it's a one-score game. I, I didn't feel like it was that close either. I didn't feel like the Bills were, were in danger of losing this, though you're always one play away, right? Uh, and it was, what, Khalil Shakiro had the 17-yard touchdown reception yep. where he did a great job keeping his balance. But I'll also say... If that doesn't happen, they're still in field goal range to go up two scores. It was 24-17 at that point. They get the touchdown with six minutes to go to be up two scores. Even if they didn't get that, I think they get a field goal. Though in that weather, you never know. They would have still been up. They could have been up 27-17. And it's just tough to think of Pittsburgh making up that difference. Though they did make a nice run to make it a one-score game. I, I'm completely with you. I, I didn't think the Bills were in danger of losing this one. They've been living on the rushing attack, especially of James Cook as of late. He averaged almost four and a half yards a carry in this one. They had 179 yards for the game. Though, again, 52 were on that run by Josh Allen. But they've done a real good job. They had 34 runs and 30 passes. I mean, you look at that. I mean, and that, that, that's what an offense wants to do. I don't even care if you're a pass-happy offense. You would still rather run the ball and control the, the, the game and the clock running the ball and have a split like that. Uh, I think most importantly for the Bills, too, you can't let them win the turnover battle. Like, Pittsburgh had two early turnovers, should have been a third, by the way, and Josh Allen had none for just the fourth time right. uh, this right. entire season. So if you get that good version of Josh Allen that's not going to give you the dumb turnover, you're almost always doomed, and that's before you realize that T.J. Watt's out and you have Mason Rudolph starting yeah. games, which makes this even more inexplicable. Mike Tomlin, after the game, got asked about his contract and his future in Pittsburgh and gave us this beautiful gem of a clip. Anyone? Mike, you have a year left on your contract. 
Mike Tomlin now overtaking the LeBron James suitcase clip for the new people <laughs> storming out of situations reaction meme. But, Dad, it is interesting to think about, and I've seen a lot more people comfortable with bringing up Mike Tomlin's name as someone who could be on the chopping block in a way that I just don't understand. That guy got you to 10 wins in a playoff appearance with Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph having to start games for you at quarterback in a season where you had to fire the offensive coordinator. I feel like Mike Tomlin's the kind of guy that gets to call his shot of when he's out there in Pittsburgh, but maybe I'm just Tomlin-pilled at this point because I spent six months there. This, this is to me, is crazy. I even, we even heard former Steelers saying maybe it's time for him to move on. I, I couldn't disagree more. What he gets out of a team – remember, Cam Hayward was out for a decent amount of the year as well on defense um, as well. And you don't have T.J. Watt in this game. You use three quarterbacks – you know, we've, we talked about teams that have gone further, like uh, Cleveland using four. Use three, including Mitch Trubisky and then obviously Mason Rudolph after Kenny Pickett uh, had been injured. So I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, why? Why? And, and I know time runs out for everybody, but sure. still the longevity in case those have forgotten since 1969, there have been three coaches. That is it. Three coaches for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin. That is all. And by the way, they've been successful to the point of the first 17 years as the head coach, he's had a winning season. That's a record. It's not a record for, for all time. I think Bill Belichick has 19 and Landry 21. But there's no way, Mike, I'm making a change there. No, I think you might have to think about making a change at quarterback finally. I don't think yes, the Kenny Pickett yeah. experiment worked out. Certainly, you've got to address offensive coordinator, but I think Mike Tomlin should still be the man with his hands on the wheel come next season. Dad, we'll be remiss if all of this, you know, super wild card weekend talk, and we will get to taking stock of everything coming off of super wild card weekend. The questions facing the winners, the questions facing the losers. Coming up in just a little bit, we also have Jason Cabinda from the Lions who's going to come and give us the winner's perspective from inside a locker room that's been searching for it in a long time in just a little bit. But we got the big news this morning reported by Adam Schefter over at ESPN that Jason Kelsey, the longtime veteran center for the Philadelphia Eagles, the host of the New Heights podcast, was telling teammates Monday night in the postgame locker room that he is in fact retiring. Uh, you could see Kelsey at the end of the game, really emotional, a lot of camera shots of him. Fletcher yeah. Cox, the core of this veteran roster, him, Brandon Graham in there too, of guys that have been around for both the Super Bowl win, the next Super Bowl run, everything in between, and had been the faces and leaders of this organization. But, Dad, Kelsey, a guy in the middle of it, former sixth-round pick at 191st overall that had really been what felt like the heart and soul of this team and a guy that really, uh, you know, place that you would know in this Philadelphia fan base and market really seemed to embody all of the things that they love about their athletes. I mean, the one thing about Philadelphia is, man, they love a player if he gives – obviously, they love a great player, but if he gives incredible effort and, you know, carries a lunch pail. There, there may not be 
in all the years and decades of Philadelphia sports athletes a better lunch pail carrying vision than just put a hard hat and a lunch pail in the hand of Jason Kelsey and have him walk down the street in work boots and a flannel and he would fit right in with everything there is about Philadelphia. I mean, what 14 years he just finished, he is unbelievably tough, a natural born leader and boy, highly emotional guy too. How about when he was doing the show uh, with Travis and Travis, you know, ripped on him about a mistake oh, yeah. he made and, and Jason actually got up and left. He said his last line was, I need a minute and took the headphones off and left. I mean, dude carries things with him. I mean, so emotionally and physically, hey, has to be spent because a lot of people thought he was going to walk away last year. You know, this is a guy where that group, there's not many at that group, the center position, that have been as successful. There's, what, only four others that have had at least six all-pros. That's the great Jim Otto, Dermani Dawson, Jim Ringo, and Clyde Bulldog Turner. I love the fact when you get a player back in the day, and this is in the, the 30s and the 40s, when you just live on a nickname of Bulldog Turner. Uh, so those are the only other centers who had, you know, minimum six all-pro years. And he's walking into the Hall of Fame without question. He should be an oh, absolute yeah. first ballot Hall of Famer. But, boy, what, what a player. Yeah, I mean, the gold standard for undersized offensive linemen in my lifetime as a former undersized offensive lineman, Jason's listed at 295. I can assure you at this point in the season, especially, oh. that man is nowhere close to 295 pounds. And, you know, his journey going from former walk-on at Cincinnati to a guy that is ended up becoming one of the most important figures in the modern Eagles franchise. He's one of the most gifted athletes at the position. What he's allowed this offensive line to do he came in under Howard Mudd who's the famed offensive line coach that was with the Colts for so many years obviously finishes with Jeff Stoutland who you saw him embracing on the sideline he's had great mentors dad but you're right he's had the attitude approach and demeanor that can give you greatness even if maybe you're not the most physically overwhelming player to ever lace him up at that position so you're right he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer a walk-in gold jacket and a guy who I'd imagine is never going to have to pay for a beer around the city of Philadelphia yeah. ever again even if he was at this point. Let me quickly say, I just looked up because I wasn't sure, and, and I, I'm not sure where, where the stat. Mike Webster had six first-team All-Pros. Uh, okay, yeah, well. I was gonna. Well, I was gonna say so. Schefter put out that stat, which is why I took him yeah. at it. But I texted you and mom this morning, and I said yeah. the fact that Mike Webster, Dwight Stevenson, a lot of the names you think of as the like Hall of Fame caliber yeah. greatest of all time centers. Because I mean, Dad, that's the conversation JC's in now, right? For arguably the best center to ever play the game, or one of the best centers to ever play the game. Yeah, for Dwight Stevenson, who I played against, and was the most, the best at leverage I've ever played against. Ever. I mean, just would incredible. Would you say that would be a good comp for Jason, by the way, Dad? Because Dwight Stevenson was not a big guy. By, was he a, no. a, wasn't he? a huge guy by any means. No, no, he was not. His leverage, and he played basically just no tape, anything, no gloves. Oh, he just played. The mark and he of just, a psycho. His leverage. It was one of those, if I kept my head above water on him, I was happy. Uh, because I, because you have seen him throw large human beings because of leverage, just like a wrestler. He was a four-time first-team All-Pro. 
Mike Webster was a six-time first-team All-Pro, two on the second team, so Webby belongs in that conversation. Now, Webb, Webb, Mike Webster played in a little bit of a different – it was a trapping offense, block backs and things like that. I played against them. I was, never, I was always an outside backer. I got to the Houston Oilers and played nose tackle. And the first time I played against the Steelers, what a lesson that was of getting whooped with Mike Steeler and the rest of those guys. And I remember shaking his hand after the game. He said, good game, Mike. I said, good game. I said, you guys kicked my ass all over the field. He said, ask your brother Bob how the first time went. went, Because Bob, my brother Bob, was a linebacker in New England and then went to Cleveland and was a nose tackle. And the first time he played against that, I mean, you just don't know where you're going to get hit. So, yeah, I mean, that is a – Jason Kelsey, undersized center – uh, toughness, uh, technician. He belongs in the conversation with the greatest centers to play, and he'll be, and he'll put on that gold jacket for it. And I thought a really cool note from Jeff Schwartz when it came to Jason Kelsey and how he developed, because I mentioned he was you know Tom Brady-esque. He was the 191st pick in the draft. He wasn't highly sought after, and all six of his all-pro teams came in his final seven seasons. So the back half of his career, meaning he didn't come in and wasn't a dominant force right to start his NFL career. It built to this point where now day in and day out, year in and year out, he was one of the focal points. He was one of the guys you looked at. And that was before we had the most famous podcast in sports, before we had the documentary on Amazon Prime where people thought he was going to retire after that. All these ways that I think people have come to now know Jason Kelsey as not just maybe taking Taylor Swift's future brother-in-law, but all these things in a helmet sport of a guy that is now a known face, especially in a position like center dad, where you know, usually the Mark Slayers of the world, all the offensive linemen I came up watching, you hid from the media limelight. You didn't run to it like this. So this is decidedly abnormal in almost every way for a guy who really ascended to new heights, pun fully intended, once he put on that mummer's costume at the Eagles victory parade. Yeah, I don't think he's a guy that sought attention, but when he got it, he embraced it. Hence, again, the Mummers uh, uh, outfit and the the podcast with his brother now. Uh, I, I don't think that's something he would have you know, said to his agent, hey, go get me some of these things. I want to be out in front of the camera all the time. But so I think since the camera was going to be there, he learned how to embrace it very well. Yeah, I, he said at the beginning, I remember when he was doing the podcast, he was nervous about it affecting the way that people around Philadelphia yeah. perceived him because yeah. of the respect that he's earned with his play and the thing that he was there to do, which is try and help that organization win football teams. And Dad, you know this as someone who was you know media inclined and a big personality, despite maybe not being you know a- as good a player as Jason Kelsey. There's always a different tolerance for that stuff too, depending on your level of play. An organization is a lot more willing to support your endeavors off the field when you're balling out on the field. And for Jason Kelsey, what that allowed him to do, both with the podcast, but think about the Christmas album that I just saw. Yep. The money that came from that, over three million dollars donated to local charities around the Philadelphia area. Because Jason and the all-linemen decided, hey, we're so good and we want to do something fun. We're going to make a bleeping Christmas album two years in a row that's going to chart and do numbers and help people out and give back to this city in a way that most other people, quite frankly, wouldn't be able to get away with not being as good. Yeah, and and by the way, if you have not heard it or or got it and and the money goes to a great cause, you should because the voices on that are amazing. And you're a thousand percent right as far as doing things off the field, because I did things off the field in Philadelphia, and I got looked at with a side eye because, again, I was an average player, and, and, and they're like, you know, you should be spending your time doing something else when all the things I did, I did on my day off. You know, I didn't affect my preparation at all, but I just 
I'm not the player that these guys are that are doing it. So you're right, it is perceived differently, and they could do a lot of good with that pulpit, and that's exactly what, you know, what Jason Kelsey has been doing. Yep, that is the Jason Kelsey story overall. So if this is the case, and we'll wait to hear it from Jason himself on the podcast, I'm sure this week, uh, congratulations to one of my favorite players to watch in my lifetime and one of the best centers to ever play professional football on what has been an outstanding career. 